Welcome to episode number 31 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you start and grow a business, find a career you love, and make a bigger impact in your life. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and an MBA student in the class of 2020 at the USC Marshall School of Business. I've had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched Just Go Fitness and now with Just Go Grind. In this episode of the podcast, we have Lucas Lee Tyson, who's the founder and CEO of Growth Cave, which is an independent marketing consultancy and agency. It launched in June of 2018 and basically helps businesses grow by providing one-on-one consulting and an extensive online training center to educate business owners on how to create, manage, and scale effective Facebook ad campaigns. And Lucas has a ton of experience in this area. He's, he's done a few different things and worked with multi-million dollar businesses, mainly in the e-commerce and technology verticals, and he's also a student at Babson College. So he is incredibly driven, ambitious entrepreneur, and we taught all things Facebook ads and how he grew his company to full-time status while being a student. Quite the episode today. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and support the, you can support the show over in iTunes, our Apple Podcasts. Just search the show and leave a rating and review. I would very much so appreciate that. Without further ado, here is Lucas Lee Tyson from Growth Cave. Lucas, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about all different things, business and Facebook ads and everything with your Growth Cave, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And I want to start with just like the inception of Growth Cave, like and all the work you're doing with that business. Like, where did that even start? How did that even start? Yeah. So over the last summer, and I started around June, I was working an internship at a pretty large tech company. They're called Formlabs. They make 3D printers for like businesses and design professionals. And they actually just hit a 1 billion valuation this summer over in August. And they're, so they're a pretty massive company. They do like thousands of dollars in sales every month. Um, and they have a marketing agency that they pay for their Facebook and Google AdWords management. And my job, I was a marketing intern there. I was working with my manager to like kind of obviously go over a lot of their marketing operations, but I also had a bit in the day-to-day and how they were running their Facebook ads, how they were running their Google ad campaigns. And they were spending a, a crap ton of money, let me tell you. They were spending <laughs> 250000 every single month combined on all of those platforms across the United States and then EMEA, um, Eastern Europe and Asia. So (laughs) they were spending a lot of money and we had this agency and the, the way the agencies bill and the way a lot of agencies bill is based off a percentage of ad spend. So theoretically, if the agency does well, you say, okay, let's increase the ad spend. They make more money. You're happy. They're happy. Everyone's happy. Um, they were charging 8% of ad spend. So we were spending 250,000 in ad spend. 8% of that is around 20,000 a month. And that's obviously a lot of money. If we were to hire someone to manage all of these things, that would be a $240,000 salary a year. And I was just like, I was, I like literally talked to my boss so many times. I was like, why do we have an agency when we could like literally hire like two or three employees to get this done internally? (laughs) And they were like, they would like, obviously like be like, oh, they do a lot of work, but we had like weekly check-in calls with them. And like, if I, if I'm being completely honest, like they didn't, I don't think they were worth 20,000 a month. Like they obviously did a decent job. Um, I'm sure they were like very professional with like how they did like their internal stuff. But I don't think I personally am a very frugal person. I personally don't think that 
that is like that sort of service is worth that. And it, it made me realize that these sort of marketing skills, paid traffic, paid acquisition, they they can command a lot of value if you're even right. halfway decent at what you do. So true. That was kind of the introduction for me. Obviously, because I was a marketing intern, I had a lot of access to um, the campaigns that we were running and obviously what a lot of the agency was doing. So I could actually go into the Facebook platform and see like, okay, this is how they're running their Facebook ad campaigns. This is what's working for them. This is what's not. And then we would also have the weekly check-in calls where theoretically we could like ask them questions, um, get performance updates. That really gave me an idea of one, how I should be running the campaigns, what like a proper Facebook ad campaign looks like, but then two, also what proper client management looks like. Since they would kind of lead the calls, it gave me a good idea of like what questions they would ask us, what questions that they should be prepared for and all kind of facets of the business were kind of <laughs> laid the groundwork there. Yeah, and I want to definitely dig in deeper to the Facebook ads part of it. But first, I want to just ask, even like going into that internship, why did you choose that internship? Why did you go into like this agency route, you know, even before that? Like, what were you considering as your options? Yeah, so I had, I've been interested in marketing for a really long time. And I guess that was, it was like the most obvious choice for me when it came to internships. The only kind of other obvious path for me was sales, but I don't know, for whatever reason, the large majority of internships that happened to apply for that year were marketing. And the decision actually came down to when I was deciding, I think it was in like December, January of last year, when I had a few offers from companies, obviously one of them being this one. Um, I had to, I, I didn't know like the caliber that this company was. Like I personally, I'm not an engineer. I'm not in like the manufacturing or engineering industry. So I didn't really know like just how big this company was. And I was deciding between like working directly at a marketing agency versus working at a um, this tech company, Formlabs. And right. the way I made the decision actually was I was having um, I was having the, the third round of interviews with the marketing manager at this company, Formlabs. And it just seemed to me this was... So the way the interview process went was first, we had the introductory call. Then after the introductory call went well, they invited me out to their office to see it. And then after that, I had another phone call, which was kind of like the final interview versus okay. the marketing agency internship, which was essentially two phone calls. The first one was the introductory phone call. The second one was with like the marketing manager. And then that was it. And... To me, I don't know why that kind of like flipped the switch in my head, but to me, seeing that the lengthier interview process, it kind of made me think this company is kind of worth more. Like they, they're very, they're much more selective about who they allow in. They're much more selective with their interview process. So I kind of, I, that was kind of like the tipping point for me. I said, okay, this company is probably going to be more worthwhile for me to learn from. And that's how I ultimately um, made the decision. And that was, that was for a summer internship, you said, right? Yeah. So, And, and for the yeah. summer, I'm just curious, like, what was, like, I'm always wondering about the day-to-day of these different types of careers and different types of jobs and even, mm -hmm. you know, entrepreneurs, what their day-to-day -day look like, looks like. Mm -hmm. What was the day-to-day -day like at that summer internship? Yeah. So it's actually funny you mentioned that because just before we started the podcast, we were talking about, like, getting started early. Um, I started that internship very much, like, in my school mindset where, for me, when I'm in school, if I have class at nine o'clock, I'm waking up at 830, throwing on all my clothes and then going to class. But <laughs> I quickly realized that like at a job, my commute wasn't that long. It was like 15 minutes. But 
when you're working like a traditional nine to five job versus in college when you're in class for like two to three hours a day, your your free time and like availability hours are significantly shortened since theoretically, if I leave work at 530, I walk home, I get home around like six, then my time to work on my business, go to the gym or just do anything that I want to is severely limited versus in college where I go to class at nine, I get out at 12, I have like eight hours to do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So very quickly, I kind of, I decided that, okay, I want to start waking up earlier. And it wasn't that hard considering that I had my own apartment. I didn't have any roommates that were keeping me up and I could very much have like my own schedule. Like, I think that's a really big thing, having roommates where not even if they're being loud, but like if they have their own routine and if they're kind of more, um, if they're more prone to staying up later then. I think naturally as humans, we kind of gravitate towards like the routines of people around us. So if your friend goes to bed late, then generally speaking, you're probably not going to be going to be going to bed super early just because you kind of want to be in tune and match them. So right. living alone, it was a lot easier for me to go to bed early. I would frequently get in bed around like 10 or 11 p.m. at night, which was like completely unheard of for me at college. <laughs> and I was and just naturally over time from going to bed that early, I was starting to wake up earlier. I was for a while I was waking up at 8 a.m. Then it was 7 a.m. And then I kind of fell like the earliest I could wake up without while feeling completely rested was around 6 a.m. So I kind yeah. of developed that routine of trying to wake up earlier. And now waking up at 6 a.m. rather than 8.30, I had like two to three hours before work that I could get a lot of work done. I could go to the gym, which was also conveniently very near my house. And I found that Doing that, it just gave me a much better start to my day versus like the mental space of starting your day like literally right before waking up at work. Like, right, having done, having already done two to three hours of work, I was coming into work with better ideas. I was feeling a lot more energized and I felt like I could just connect and be more personal with people rather than um, someone who had just woken up. Yeah. And then that, at the internship, was it like a nine to five type of thing then all summer long? Yeah, essentially, I wouldn't say that I think they fell into like the Silicon Valley, like tech, where they were very, they were very lax about like working hours. Generally, people would come in around like nine, nine thirty and leave maybe like five thirty or six. So okay. it, it, in that sense, it very much was like a traditional job. Yeah. And then those responsibilities at that internship, like did they just at the beginning tell you this is what you're gonna be doing? Or like, did you have to kind of find out, you know, find things to do? Or <laughs> like, especially being <laughs> at that type of company, I'm wondering how that worked. Yeah. So I actually had a really great manager who I think was, I, I that's only like the real professional internship that I had, but I, I gauge that he's probably going to be like one of the best managers that I could have for an internship just because he was very involved with like my learning experience. So on the very first day, he told me about like his experience when he was just out of college and he had an internship at a company very similar to this one. He was working a marketing internship and he said it was like a horrible experience for him. Like the <laughs> bosses, his manager like didn't care about him. He'd just be like, OK, go do this. And then like when he finished it, he had no idea what to do. But because of that, my manager, he was very involved in getting me involved in the company. So he they would give me like specific tasks to work on um, that were obvious that to me, it didn't seem like intern work, which I think is like the trap that a lot of students fall into. Like they get this work and they think like, oh, this is just like generic um, kind of like BS work. That's like busy work. Like it doesn't really affect the company. But I think a lot of the tasks that I was given, it felt like I was actually making an impact. And then if I ever finished those things early, if there was ever something that I had trouble on, then I, I could 
I felt very comfortable like going to my manager or even going to different members of my team to say, hey, is there something that you need help with? Is there anything I can work on? Things like that. Awesome. And how did you transition from that internship to then what you did next? And was so that was that 2018, like the summer of 2018? Yeah, or? yeah okay. 2018. Yeah. So how did you transition and decide like, okay, well, I want to start my own thing now. Like, How did that process go? Yeah. So like I said, I, st- or I actually don't think I've said on this podcast, I started doing um, Growth Cave and I guess Facebook ads consulting pretty early on into that summer. I think it was around like mid-June is when I first got started on Upwork. I made like my Upwork profile and I got all of that stuff done. And I wouldn't say like all of the all of, I've obviously said a lot of good things about the internship. I think it was a very beneficial experience for me. But I think above all, I realized that I've always sort of been like an entrepreneurial person. I've always kind of had that idea in mind that like I want to start my own projects. I want to like I want to be able to make money like independently free from like an employer. And I realized that through this like first professional experience, I realized like this is going to be my life if I don't. um if I don't start working harder on my own things. And up until this point, I'd kind of had like side projects here and there. Like I'd make a few thousand here, a few thousand there. I'd just be like, oh, that's kind of cool. And obviously being a teenager, I didn't have like the best discipline to continue with them. (laughs) And I guess it does kind of sound like bleak to say, but like having like my first nine to five job, it was kind of like the fire under my ass that I needed. Like like quote unquote real life is approaching pretty quickly if I want (laughs) to if like my ultimate goal is like to be an entrepreneur to like work for myself then like you need to start taking this more seriously essentially yeah yeah. and how'd you hear about I don't know if you remember how you heard about Upwork and why you chose to go on that platform Mm -hmm. was it just like a Google search or like how did that go yeah so it was kind of a Google search I've I follow the entrepreneur subreddit and also like the freelancing subreddit. I've been following those for a while. And interestingly, there's a very mixed bag of things that you hear about Upwork. There's a lot of people that do really well on Upwork. And then there's a lot of people that have really bad things to say about Upwork. They say like, oh, I've been banned unfairly. Like all of the clients that you get from there are like terrible and they try and undercharge you. Um, But to me, it seems like the most obvious place to start since I didn't really have anyone in my immediate network that I felt like I could reach out to and be like, hey, do you need help with like your Facebook ads? I'll help you for free. Um, And like, obviously, there's not like I I, at that point, like I had never even considered like a lot of like the traditional business methods like cold emailing or cold calling. So to me, in my mind, I thought, where do people go if they want to hire someone for Facebook ads work? Probably a platform like Upwork and Upwork just happened to be like the biggest one. So, yeah. Yeah. And then how, how was that? Like, how was it using Upwork? You know, how, how, do you like, how do you like the platform? Like, how did you get some clients from that? Like, I'm curious about the experience you had with that. Yeah. So I've actually had like the direct opposite of everyone who's had a bad experience. I've never had like a really bad client, even when I was just starting out. I've never had anyone like treat me poorly or like try and like undercut me or like underrate me. Um, it's gone very well for me. I attribute a lot of my success and like my existing client base has actually come from Upwork. And the way I got started on it, the, the way I thought about it was um, your Upwork profile is kind of like like an Amazon or eBay listing. When you first list it, you don't have any reviews on it. It looks completely empty and no one's going to buy a product from Amazon if it has no reviews on it. People just don't trust it. It just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem legitimate. So my first goal when I was first getting started was, okay, I just need to start getting some reviews on my profile. I need to start making my profile look legitimate, however that may be. So 
I started applying to a ton of jobs, even ones that weren't related to Facebook ads. I was just trying to get um, basically a job, someone to hire me, and then I could do a good job for them and they would give me the positive review. So yeah. the first job that I actually got was someone who's looking for copywriting help on their emails. And it was like this like 60 year old guy who was like working on like an email market or a real estate SaaS platform. And it was actually a pretty cool idea. But his like I like I tried to pitch him on like the Facebook ads things and like all of those things um, that I originally had like started out wanting to do. But he was like, no, I just kind of need help with email, the emails. And I was like, OK, I guess I can just do this job um, and get the review. So I worked at like a very significantly undercut rate, I suppose, like that is like one of the few times that I've worked for like not so great pay on the Upwork <laughs> platform. But yeah. um, but like I got the job done. He was happy. He gave me my review. And from there, it became a lot easier to actually start applying and getting the jobs that I wanted things in Facebook ads and just PPC work in general. Yeah. And I think it's important to kind of understate that, that overstate that, that. It's like, I mean, to have those reviews, especially early on, if you don't have anything, like you don't have any reviews, you don't have, no one really knows you, like doing work for free or doing work for cheap is mm -hmm. the most like logical way to get started. And exactly. uh, I think people don't want to like, oh, I'm, I'm valued at this level or like I should be charging this and I'm worth this. But like if no one mm -hmm. knows you yet, they're not going to pay you anything. They don't know you. How are they going to know what to even pay you for what you can do? Because they don't know what, what you can do. So exactly. I think it's important to, to note that especially with what you did there. And then, so you had that first client and you just did some email, email marketing, email copywriting, I guess, mm -hmm. which wasn't even what you planned on doing. <laughs> but mm -hmm. then how did you get then like, Facebook ads clients? Like what was your first client for that? And like, was that soon after or how'd that work? Yeah, I would say it was pretty soon after. I think it was within the week that I'd finished that email marketing job. And up until this point, I wouldn't say I had any real hands-on experience with Facebook ads. Like I said, I was learning through what the agency was doing at my internship. I was kind of like asking them questions. I was asking my manager questions. But up until this point, I had never actually gone through the process of like setting up and managing a campaign on my own. So to me, that was that was like kind of like a mental barrier. Like obviously, when it comes to Facebook ads work, like I'm spending someone else's money to try and make them money. So I didn't want to take on like a massive client or like worse, like any client really, and just like completely screw it up and like not only ruin their business or like ruin like their, their, that month for their business, but also like potentially ruin my reputation on Upwork. And right. the solution to that actually came for me when I was applying for jobs. I saw a bunch and one of them, I got on the phone with a guy and he was an agency owner. He was, a, it was like a pretty small agency. It was just like three people, but they were doing pretty well in the e-commerce space. And he said, yeah, I'm looking on Upwork for someone to kind of handle um, a few of our Facebook ad clients. Like I've been doing it all myself. I'm trying to take over more of like a business development role. So I'm kind of trying to like outsource it. So to me, working within the agency was kind of like a training ground for me. Like I had I had multiple clients under the agency that I was able to do work on. I had kind of a safety net in the fact that I was working under an agency and not directly working with the clients that if I ever screwed up, I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to hear it from the client essentially. Like I could go to my <laughs> man, I could go to the person that hired me and say like, Hey, look, I screwed up. Um, can you help me fix this? Things like that. And those first few jobs, luckily, I didn't screw anything up majorly. I actually did um, some of the best work that I've ever done on Facebook campaigns under that agency. Um, and I actually use a few of those companies that I worked under as case studies. So to and me, or yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I was just going to say to me, um, being able to work, like I said, in kind of like that learning environment was it definitely helped me get over that mental barrier for the next client that I had, which was working directly with a business, knowing that like I had this experience working across multiple clients and in multiple industries that I was I, I basically like had proven myself to myself, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and I, did, how much did they did they help you like at that? Well, you know, using these agency clients essentially, like how much help did you get running the ads and knowing what to do from them, or was it just kind of handed off, knowing that you knew some things, or how did that go? I think uh, I wish I could remember exactly like how much I like sold myself to them. Essentially, I definitely made it was definitely like very obvious, like through my profile and like through the way I was speaking to them that I didn't have a ton of experience. Yeah, um, and I think they knew that, but. When I first got started with them, I was basically I like basically wrote up a proposal for them on what the campaigns would look like. And I gave it to them. And he was like, I was like, what do you think of this? Do you have any improvements? And he was like, yep, looks good. And I was just like, OK, if he signed off on it, then I guess like theoretically, if it screws up, like I can't be blamed because he signed off on it. So <laughs> that was kind of I guess it's like it is it goes back to like that's kind of like the reassurance that I needed. And from there. Um, there are a few instances, obviously, where I would like ask questions like, oh, do you think this image would work better? What do you think about this copy? Um, but basically, I was I was like kind of like free range, like I could just like test things, um, try things out and see how things worked on my own without a lot of like direct input. Yeah, which is which is helpful. And then I mean, going from that agency route. So when did you have your own, like your own clients then after that? Yeah, so I think that that agency was like my main client for the better part of the month that I got started in June. And I think my first like direct real client came in early July. And if I remember correctly, I think it was um, this accountant that I actually still do work with. And basically they do, they're kind of like in the accounting professional space and they do, they create training materials, webinars and like eBooks for accountants on how to like further their career. So I think the main draw is that accounting, obviously, for a lot of people, isn't the most sexy career option. Um, a lot of the things that they make are kind of like how to become like an entrepreneurial, quote unquote, accountant, how to take a lot more control in your job and the impact that you can have on businesses. So they were basically looking for someone to promote a lot of their training material, a lot of their ebooks um, through Facebook and that was a client that I've done work for sporadically since then. I basically, they're very much, um, they're kind of different from the standard client that I have now and that they're very hands off. Like they'll say, can you set up a campaign for us? And then like, we'll kind of see how it goes. So like okay. I'll do, I'll do some work for them and then I don't hear from them for months and then they'll come back and they'll be like, Hey, we need a new campaign for this new product that we're thinking of launching. And then it, it basically goes through that process. But that was the, um, I think that was the first real client that I had and suffice to say like it has gone pretty well because they can they continue coming to me for business um, presumably they're pretty happy and it's been like a consistent revenue stream for me yeah and with that first client how did you decide to charge them to build them especially if it's sporadic projects like is it like this is the cost to set up a campaign this is like I'm gonna do a percentage of spend like how do you even decide that yeah. So that's actually like one of the hardest things that I've struggled with, especially when starting is that you don't you obviously don't want to um, 
overcharge people because that puts a lot of risk on you that if you're charging people a boatload of money, they obviously ex- expect a great experience. And yeah. if you can't deliver on that great experience, then suddenly you have a very angry client on you that potentially wants their money back. But on, on the other side of the coin, you ha- you don't want to underbill people. You don't want to understate your work. Um, one, because if you undersell yourself, people are going to think that you're cheap, that you don't do a good job. But two, as a freelancer, you obviously you want to run a business. You want to make the most money as possible out of every potential client. So on Upwork, it's pretty standard for people to do like hourly jobs. Like you have like an hourly rate on your profile. Um, someone like hires you, you like log your hours and then those hours get calculated into your hourly rate. Yeah. Um, from a lot of the things that I had read, people said you should not do an hourly rate. You should be charging on like a fixed price basis as a freelancer because it makes you come across as more professional. It should provide more value to the client. And ultimately, it will work out better for you because you don't have to go through that process of manually logging your hours, being like super meticulous about like, oh, I work from like 945 to 1030. I have to put that in. Um, To me, it's just a better process. And when I was first getting started, I, I definitely undersold myself just because I was, like I said, even though I'd gotten over that barrier of like working on campaigns and kind of like proving to myself like, okay, I know how to run Facebook campaigns to like a semi-decent level at least, it was still, it's still a very large barrier to me. And I think to a lot of people that you're basically telling people, I can do this job for you and this is how much I believe I am worth. So Obviously, when you're just getting started out, started out, no matter how much early success you might have, it's still your confidence still needs to build. And I think when I was first starting out, I was only charging like a few hundred dollars for campaign setups and then like ongoing management, which okay, what it was, it was definitely a mistake in retrospect. Yeah, and and then how uh, evolving from from the beginning, early stages, like was it a matter of just researching online and figuring out what should I charge? Was it a matter of like? you know, they said yes too quickly, you know, like what, what is yeah. it to change your prices? Like, cause it's a big thing with anyone starting a business, especially a services business. It's like, what price do you want to charge? Cause even when I was just starting my just go fitness, uh, coaching company and like doing in-home training, doing online training, like you have to figure out what price and I've adjusted it over the years and I don't do like mm-hmm. as much anymore, but I'm curious as to how you decided that. Yeah. It's funny that you actually say the saying yes too quickly, because that was like definitely the experience that I had. I would name, I would say like, okay, based on all that we've gone through, this is going to be the price. And like almost everyone was saying yes. And (laughs) (laughs) I having in retrospect, I've read multiple articles that have said, if if at least 50% aren't saying no to your initial price, then you're pricing way too low that you want, you want people to try and negotiate you down essentially, because that's the goal. But again, that's kind of like the confidence thing. I was terrified of people just saying no, or like having to go through that negotiation process. So I guess in my mind, it was, that was kind of like, I was like, okay with charging less if it meant I didn't have to go through like all that stress and potential work um, in the future. But I guess, I I also at the same time, I was joining a lot of groups of both people that did Facebook ads, but then also um, digital consultants and agency owners on what so you could basically like share um, your experience working with clients, how your agency was going, things like that. Um, And that kind of to me was also the wake up call that these were people that were essentially just single people calling themselves agencies, but they were charging them even like tens of thousands of dollars for essentially the same service that I was delivering. And I knew that 
I never, I was never going to be able, I, at that point, I wasn't going to be able to charge like the very tip top of what people were charging. But when I realized that there were people that said, okay, um, for an e-commerce company, it's going to cost you $10,000 to set up the campaign. And then it's going to cost $2,500 on a monthly basis for us to continue managing that. To me, that was that was like so such like a mindset difference versus to me where it's like, okay, yeah, I can do that for like 200 bucks. And then for like 50 bucks a month, I can manage it. Like I realized that, um, there really is no difference. Um, between those between those two things except that by charging more you you pers- you you present yourself in a better light essentially that yeah. the client wants to essentially be charged more because they know they're going to get, be getting the more premium experience from it yeah and yeah doing your research on on prices and everything and adjusting and i think one, another thing too is just is just trying different prices out <laughs> like mm-hmm. like you never even know until you actually do propose a price and someone does say yes, you're like, wow, okay, that does, that is possible, you know? And I remember even one time I had to go one more story. Like I remember uh, I had created a lot of content on Just Go Fitness like initially and hundreds of blog posts. And I remember someone came to me through like, I think it was either Craigslist or Thumbtack or one of those sites. And Mm -hmm. we we met up for a meeting to discuss like training and everything. And like, we talked for five minutes and then wrote me a couple thousand dollar check, like right, <laughs> like right now. Yeah. And I was like, I've yes. never met you before. You just saw me from this and like you paid this. I'm like, wow, should I have charged more? Again, to that right. point of like you, you you know what you're knowing what you're worth and knowing what you can. You only know by trying something. And that was actually a price right. that was higher than other clients had paid. And so I was like, wow, right. this is crazy. This whole entire thing of choosing prices and you know validating what, what the market will pay, and especially with Facebook ads, like. It's such a valuable service. One, because it takes a bit to, it takes a little bit of, of playing with to to learn how to do it, and it can deliver such great results for a business that like it is extremely valuable. So, right, right, important, exactly. important to note that with your clients. I know you said you had like an accountant, and then other ones. I assume from there was it was it through Upwork still, or were the referrals, or how are those clients coming about? Yeah, so I would say for the first month and a half, almost entirely exclusively my client base was from Upwork. Um, And this kind of, it kind of gave me like that basis that I needed to take my freelance business elsewhere, so to speak. Like I had a few case studies that I could show people. I had like actual tangible results that I had gotten from campaigns that I'd run on my own. Um, And it was at that point that I kind of felt more comfortable to kind of expand outside. So as it would happen, there are a few at the college that I go to. There are a few com- there are a few kids that run their own companies, and because I had been running campaigns for them, I offered to like just like oh, if you guys need any sort of Facebook or Instagram ad help, I'd be more than happy to like help you guys out. So I started doing that work wor- work if you could call it. I was essentially just like talking <laughs> with them and like learning about their business and like just like offering pieces of advice here and there. But from there it kind of created a, a network effect. Like one of the people that I happen to work with, he said, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. I actually have an aunt who runs her own e-commerce company. And I think you would be a good fit. Could We could maybe connect. Um, and she ended up becoming like a client of mine for a few months. So from there, I guess it kind of, it kind of went the more traditional freelance route where it was built more on referrals and using your quote unquote network versus using like job sites. And to this day, I still get a decent amount of work from Upwork, and I still have a decent amount of clients still on retainer from Upwork. But it's definitely my goal to transition kind of away from that and build my personal brand, I guess you could call it, since at the end of the day, Upwork is not 
under my control at all. It's someone right. else's business. And like, I could wake up tomorrow and like Upwork could delete my profile for whatever reason, or like Upwork could say like they're shutting down. And if I had all of my eggs in the Upwork basket, then that would mean like my business is like literally like non-existent essentially. And that I would have to scramble <laughs> to try and yeah. like put everything together again. And I guess my goal is obviously not to have to deal with that in the future. I want to have um, potential leads, potential clients coming in from a variety of sources so that if for whatever reason, if any one of those sources ever happens to dry up, happens to be going slowly, then I can rely on the multiple others that I have to um, yeah. to bring me business. And you mentioned something there too with the on retainer, like how many clients or percentage or whatever of, you know, consistent on retainer kind of managing their ads versus clients you just kind of set them up for and then don't really hear from them for a while. Like, how does that, how is that mix with your clients right now? Yeah. So I would say, I would say it's probably a 33, 33 split of one clients that are on retainer where basically I manage their campaigns continuously and I'm, I still have to like network with them and interface with them over the phone or over email. Um, the other 33% is like that example you mentioned where they, they're looking for, so I want to make the campaign, just get everything set up, and then we'll handle it from there. And then the last 33% is probably what I would consult, call like consulting clients. So people that already have campaigns set up, they already have everything in place, but they're looking for someone to come in and like give them advice, like theoretically go in and audit all of their performance, tell them what they're doing wrong, what could be going better, and basically just do it more from a consultant perspective rather than a management perspective. Gotcha. And so, yeah, I'm interesting mix of clients. That's the thing with, especially with services business, there's so many different types of services you can do. You mentioned kind of the strategy and consulting side of it versus actually running their ads and actually mm -hmm. every, you know, adjusting that every, every single month. And I want to get into like a little bit more of the actual details of Facebook ads and those campaigns and, you know, setting up and like kind of overall overarching like strategies. So if you could just take us through like, what are some of the keys, I guess, to Facebook ads and like successful Facebook ads, I guess. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I think when it comes to Facebook ads or running a, any form of paid advertising is to keep things very segmented and individualized. And what I mean by that is I think every every campaign and every ad set that you set up should have one specific purpose and one specific goal that you can measure. So with a lot of businesses, what they see with Facebook ads, they think like, oh, we want to get a lot of traffic to our website. Let's set up a campaign for that. And then they think, oh, we also want people to see um, this new blog post that we ran. Let's set up a campaign for that. And they just kind of they kind of throw them up haphazardly. But this this method of creating Facebook ads or running any form of paid traffic is not efficient and it's not um it's not ideal for what the business is looking for. What a yeah. business needs to do, they need to have one, they need to have really clear goals of what they want, but they also need to be able to track what each, what the performance of every ad set is looking like. So with Facebook ads, you have the ability to create targeting options, the most basic of which is creating like interest-based targeting. So you can go and create a Facebook ad set and say, okay, I want to target everyone that likes Tim Ferriss, or I want to target everyone that likes golf. And what I've seen from a lot of the businesses that I've worked with, both on the consulting side and both on like the management side of campaigns that they've set up, is that people, they don't keep, or businesses in general, they don't keep things separated. So yeah. in the example that I said, um, 
the ideal situation is one, you would have one campaign for the Tim Ferriss and one campaign for the golf. So then you can say, okay, um, when we're running this specific ad to the Tim Ferriss audience, we're getting pretty good results. We're getting um, clicks for about like 30 cents each. But then this golf audience that we're running to, it's not doing too well. We're getting clicks for like 75 cents each. The problem that I see a lot of businesses doing with Facebook ads is they kind of roll all of their audiences into one and then they get kind of an average. So they would put the Tim Ferriss and the golf interest into the same targeting ad set. And then they would say, okay, our cost per click is around 50 cents because that's the average of the Tim Ferriss and the golf cost per clicks. And because you kind of, because you do this rather than keeping them segmented, you never have a good idea of what's really driving performance for you guys. And you can't really, you can't start to focus in more on what's working well. So if they had separated out and they knew that Tim Ferriss was doing really well for them, they could say, okay, maybe like the self-improvement and self-development niche in general is really good. Maybe we could try testing out Tony Robbins as an interest. Maybe we could try testing out Gary Vaynerchuk versus when you kind of, when you kind of muddy your results by just including everything in the same targeting options, you never really have a clear idea of what's actually being a big driver for your business and what's kind of um, dragging performance down. That's like, that I think is like the biggest concept that business owners have trouble with when it comes to any form of paid advertising. Yeah. And with the separation and, you know, separating the campaign, separating ad sets, whatever it may be, how are you deciding on like, you know, how many different ones? Is it based on budget and what they can actually literally afford to spend on each one? Because I've, I've, I don't know if I remember, I don't know if I told you or not, but I, I ran Facebook ads for like two, two and a half years for, for Clark mm-hmm. Toys. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you have a certain budget per se and you could, in theory, create infinite amount of ad sets or campaigns or anything like that. So how do you decide on like how many you want to create per business, I guess? Yeah. So a decent amount of it does come down to budget. But at the end of the day, I've never worked with a client that has said like, okay, we need to keep this strictly at like $10 a day or $50 a day or $100 a day. At the end of the day, the business owner, they want to make money. And if they see that their advertising is making them money, then they'll put as much money as they they can into it while still maintaining their results. So the approach that I kind of take is when I'm first getting started on a campaign and or even when campaign performance is starting to kind of dwindle is that I want to test as many things as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for me to set up 10 to 15 different audiences all at reasonably low budgets, maybe like 10 or $20 a day and see which one of them sticks, quote unquote, since if I was doing the approach that I think a lot of business owners and agencies do is they they kind of have like a guess as to what like they think like oh i know my i know my customers pretty well they like this this and this i'm just going to make an ad set and then start running um ads to this audience but from what i've seen a lot of people myself included really have no idea like who's actually like what sort of person is actually buying their things especially through facebook or instagram ads like i've gotten completely Like I've had people say like, oh, yeah, only women purchase our products, but then I'll run a completely open ended campaign, both to men and women. And then I see like men are getting the most efficient cost per purchase versus the women who initially they were only going to be targeting. So I think the most um, in addition to keeping things segmented, I think another key point with Facebook ads and just 
Facebook and Instagram advertising in general is that you can't make assumptions on what you think is going to be is actually going to work. You need right. to actually test everything and get the the raw data back so then you can make decisions off of it. Since I've had I've had complete like I said I've had complete opposite um results from what people tell me what I think is actually going to work and you never know those things until you actually put them into your campaign manager and actually test them out for yourself. Yeah, and what are those key metrics that you're using to kind of evaluate that and I'm also wondering how long you typically wait. So if you do those 10 to 15 different campaigns or different ad sets, you know, are mm-hmm. you checking, you know, 2, 3, 4, 4 days a week before you make changes or how are you deciding that? Yeah, generally speaking it's probably around 3 to 4 days. I think um, another big mistake that business owners and anyone running Facebook ads um, struggles with is that they get impatient that they'll run an ad <laughs> for like maybe like 24 hours and even like I know I'm guilty of this like I'll set up an ad set and then like it'll be running for like not even like two hours and I'll be like oh it's going terribly we have to turn it off but <laughs> Facebook Facebook the way Facebook's platform works is essentially it's based on machine learning that they have like this sophisticated algorithm that is meant to go out into the Facebook and Instagram universe and find the ideal people who are going to respond well to your ad and that algorithm while it's very well designed and it works very well it does take time um for it to learn and that's why if you set up facebook campaigns you'll see this thing this concept called like the learning phase this is like facebook's algorithm trying to learn who it thinks the best audience is for this specific ad who is going to respond well to it and who ultimately is going to take your desired action whether that's to click through to your website actually purchase the product um join your email list etc so Generally, I would say like three to four days is try is like kind of like the sweet spot that I would say when you can see like you can have actually um, statistically significant data to work off of anything longer than that. And I think you're kind of you're kind of pushing it. You might be theoretically wasting money and anything lower than that, I think, is just kind of jumping the gun too quickly. Yeah. And what metrics are you looking at then to evaluate at that three or four day mark if, you know, these ads are performing better? Because obviously there's so many different ones. If anyone's ever ran Facebook ads, the platform has a lot of lot of metrics. Like what are you looking at for that? Yeah. So I guess I guess that question kind of it depends on the business and like what sort of results they're trying to drive with their Facebook campaigns. So using an e-commerce company as an example, obviously their most important metric is purchases. They want people that actually go through their ads and purchase the product at a positive ROI. So for an, for an e-commerce company, it's pretty simple. We can set up the ROAS, the return on ad spend metric, and say, okay, after this three or four days, this ad is getting us a three ROI. For every $10 we put into it, we're getting $30 back. This one is a clear winner versus the one that's only getting a, run, a one ROI. We're essentially just breaking even on any money that we put into it. That is kind of, um, that's kind of the most obvious for people um, or for businesses that are kind of running more higher ticket products or services, things that run into like the thousands of dollars where people are not going to be purchasing directly from the Facebook ad or really any sort of campaign where your goal isn't to make someone immediately purchase. You kind of need to dig into like the quote unquote marketing metrics. And those would be like the cost per click, the click through rate, um, your cost per thousand impressions, those kind of give you a good idea of how your how your ad essentially stacks up to all of the other ads in the Facebook ad universe. So 
if you have one ad that's getting a click-through rate of 0.5 versus an ad that's getting a click-through rate of 2%, obviously the one that's getting a a higher click-through rate, Facebook is going to favor because it means that people actually like this ad, they find it relevant to them, and they're actually clicking through to want to learn more information about it. Um, Beyond that, Facebook does give kind of arbitrary metrics. One of them is like the relevance score um, that Facebook claims is it, it, it's supposed to give you an idea of how relevant your ad is to the audience on a scale of one to 10. So if you have like a nine, theoretically, that ad is like really, it's really relevant to your audience and your audience should be loving it. I have found that the the marketing metrics, like I said, the cost per click, the click through rate and the CPM are much better measures of what your audience actually likes versus like those kind of those arbitrary numbers that Facebook, I guess, like invents because I've had ads where they have a relevance score of five, but I'm getting purchase. I'm getting purchases on the e-commerce store that are driving like three to four ROIs. But then there's some ads where Facebook says like, oh, this is a 10 relevance score. It's doing great. But then like no one purchases through it. So <laughs> which is so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it is so frustrating. It's like you wish like all of these things could match up and it'd be so easy. But unfortunately, like as as far as Facebook's platform has come, um, the algorithm is by no means perfect. And you you can't you essentially can't trust everything that they tell you, because at the end of the day, their job is to try and make money from you. They want you to spend more money on the platform to keep pulling out your credit card and keep spending money on ads. But that might not always work in your favor. Your goal as the business owner should try to be have as positive ROI as possible from your advertising spending. And sometimes that means having to dig into um, a lot of the analytics to figure it out. Right. And so so knowing that, knowing that we have these different campaigns where you would create the Facebook ads to separate things out, to t- test different audiences, I wonder about the ads themselves. So do you find they're typically using videos, using images? Like, are you creating the videos yourself? Or are you, mm-hmm. like, how are you getting the images? Because that side of things is also very, very important, obviously. Yeah. So generally, for the majority of businesses that I work with, they'll supply any of the creative that I need. Um, They'll usually have like a Dropbox of like product images or of potential videos that I could use. And for, for you or for anyone that has set up Facebook ads, they obviously have like a ton of different ad formats. Like they have the videos, they have single images, they have carousels, and they're adding like all of these new formats. Um, like instant experiences and collection ads that basically all perform the same thing, which is basically showing your product images or product videos um, to an ideal customer. And for my experience, it, 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 it I hate to say like it depends, but <laughs> no, it, it really does depend. It really does depend because the big, the big thing, and I guess like the Facebook marketing community is that like people say like video is the best, like video is something that Facebook really pushes. They say like 60% of all ads on Facebook are videos and that videos have like the highest engagement. They have the highest click through rate. And it's like, they have all these great metrics. Everyone should be using video. But there, when I actually go through and test all of the different ad formats that like I said, there's sometimes where video, it might have that really high relevance score, it might have that really high engagement, but is it driving purchases like the carousel ad is? Not really. So you really have to, you really do have to test everything because every business and every campaign that you set up is going to be different. Like for specific, from my personal experience, I have had the best results on actually driving purchases and actually driving like tangible results. That is like people actually going through your website and taking the action that you want from images, from static images, from decent copy, um, either in the form of a single image ad or a carousel. Um, When it comes to driving 
engagement and driving, I guess you could call it top of funnel traffic, videos do really well because people at the end of the day, they like watching videos. If they're scrolling through their Facebook newsfeed on their phone and they see a video, they're much likely to stop and watch it, even if like it might not be the most relevant thing. Most people just want to like sit for like the first three to five seconds and see what the video is actually about. Right. Um, but that's from my personal experience. But like I said, every business has to test different things and you have to you have to really determine like what your goal is because you can test all of these things. But at the end of the day, um, if you want to be driving purchases, if you want to be driving um, results for your business, then it might you kind of have to ditch like the high engagement, the high viewership that you could potentially be getting from videos. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's so many different types of formats. And that's important to note that you have to test things because you don't actually know what works for your business. And even with your business, like different parts of your business might work differently in terms of the formats of the ads. And so you really have to just try different things out. And mm-hmm. one of the things too, I'm interested in, I, I, obviously, if you're an e-commerce company, are you just mostly running ads directly to product to pages? Like, how are you doing that with e-commerce? Yeah, so the majority of e-commerce I guess like ads themselves, they go to either the product page or they go to some sort of landing page where it's the home page where they can get like a, a very high level overview of the business, see all of the products that they have. Um, basically not just segment them down to one product. Um, when it comes to e-commerce companies specifically, there's three campaigns that I will set up to start and I think is like the basis for all e-commerce companies just because I think that's the most obvious example of like a business that can utilize Facebook ads. Um, The first one is obviously new customer targeting. You want to find people that theoretically have never heard about your business, um, don't know anything about your business, but would potentially be interested in your products. Though that campaign is created by creating lookalike audiences based off of previous customer data from people that have actually gone through and purchased from a business. Um, and there's a lot of things like I could go into a bit deeper about the um, the targeting options that we do there. But basically, you want to find people that are most similar to people that have purchased from you in the past, but don't know you exist yet. The second campaign that we do is a retargeting campaign, targeting people that have interacted with your business or store, but didn't end up completing the purchase for whatever reason. So the two main ad sets that we do in there is one is people that have viewed a product, like they actually click through onto the specific product page that has like the images, the add to cart button, all of those things. But for whatever reason, didn't add the item to their cart and didn't purchase. Um, That's one. The second one is an abandoned cart campaign. So anyone that added... Um, an item to their cart, but then didn't end up purchasing the item for whatever reason. And then finally, the um, the third campaign that we do is post-purchase retargeting. Anyone that has purchased from you recently or any time in the past, you try and target them with some new items that you've come out with recently. Since these are people that have already purchased from your business, it's going to be significantly easier to get them to purchase from you again versus, like I said, in that first campaign where basically you want to you're targeting someone that's never heard about your business, has never purchased about you. It's going to be a lot harder to convince that person versus someone that's already bought from you in the past, knows the experience, and has gone through that process, essentially. Yeah. And you mentioned the landing pages. And are you helping businesses set up those landing pages and like writing all the copy? Are you writing them yourselves? How are you handling that? So, yeah. So I guess a lot of businesses, they already have that in place. But one of the things that that I struggle with as a a quote unquote Facebook ads consultant is that 
there a lot of the results that you can drive with Facebook ads or any sort of advertising is reliant on like the landing page that you send them to, like the the checkout experience, all of those things have a very high influence on like your ability to actually get people to purchase through Facebook ads. And it's kind of frustrating to, de- to deal with that since it's tough. To, it's really tough to tell a potential client like the ads are going well, but like your checkout process and your landing page kind of suck. Like we could be doing a lot better <laughs> if we fixed all of these things up. Um, so like I, I think I do. I try and provide like a lot of suggestions like, oh, what if we like tried moving this around? What if we changed the copy in the landing page like this? Like what if we remove this step in the checkout process to make it a smoother experience? Um, I basically I really want to um, I don't want to limit like my ability and like what the business owner thinks of me as as like oh this guy can only do facebook ads because at the end of the day um i'm a marketer like facebook ads is like one of many things that i try and help businesses with um and i think limiting myself or like anyone limiting themselves to like one specific thing is limiting a lot of the potential that they could have as a business owner but then also limiting um the value that they could provide to business owners because like i said you could have a great facebook campaign that's going well and it's driving a ton of great traffic but if your landing page sucks and your your funnel process sucks then like it doesn't matter like wh- how much or like how good the quality traffic is like people right. you're just not going to be getting as good results if we just fix those things up yeah, and it's like you, obviously you're attacking this from the niche of Facebook ads, and we talked about this in uh, one of our calls. And then it was like you have, you're attacking from the Facebook ads niche, but at the same time, like you're just helping businesses grow. I mean, that's that's what you're right. doing. This gets you in the door, but then yeah, you're, you're a marketer, I and mean, that's just what it is. You're just trying to help them grow however you can, and whatever skill sets you have that can help them, you're going to provide. You're not going to not say anything about their landing pages or their right. other processes just because you do Facebook ads, because that that is a part of Facebook ads. Like right. it's driving business growth, so that that's just what you have to do. What I'm curious about too, so e-commerce, like I have experience in that, and like with the other clients, like the accountant and I don't know what what other types of clients you have, like how does that change maybe how you approach Facebook ads for them? Yeah. So obviously like with e-commerce, like I said, that it's pretty easy to gauge your results. Like you have an ROAS, you have your ROI and you can say, okay, this campaign is doing well because it's getting us purchases and we're making money for the accountant or for a blog that's trying to add email list subscribers it's kind of it it can be a bit more difficult since at the end of the day it might for a lot of businesses it might be like 30 days or even like three months until we see the results of the advertising just because there's a longer sales cycle maybe a lot of businesses don't have like that that sort of business model maybe they're more based on advertising and traffic numbers um those are all they're all like kind of little problems that crop up when you're bit, you don't have like a clear idea of what your goal is, which, like I said before, I think the most important thing to start with with any Facebook or paid advertising campaign is you need to have a very specific goal in mind. So using another client as example, a decent amount of um, businesses that come to me is for lead gen. So they have an email list, they have like a messenger subscriber list, and they want to add more people to it to potentially sell things to in the future to drive traffic to their website. And when I first start working with those companies, I'll go into their ads manager and I look at all of the campaigns that we've run they've run previously and almost all of them are like these traffic campaigns like they'll publish a blog post and then they'll create uh what facebook calls a traffic campaign and try and get as many clicks to it as possible and 
I think that is kind of, I, in my opinion, that's one of the worst things you can do when it yeah. comes to Facebook ads. Is basically just driving blind traffic and just seeing like, okay, let's let's send a bunch of people to this website and see what works. Because at the end of the day, these people they these people could like literally be on your website for like half a second and click off it, but you're still being charged for that click, um, for your ad spend. So, the thing that I try and work with when a business doesn't have a clear idea of what they want, so for like using a blog as an example where a lot of their revenue comes from having high readership numbers yeah. i try and tell them um we should and we shouldn't be running like these blind traffic campaigns yes they're getting they're theoretically getting people on our website but they're not the best we we in, in an ideal scenario, we want engaged readers. We want people that are not just going to click on our web, on, through our article on a Facebook ad. We want people that are going to join our email list, that are going to follow us on Twitter, they're going to follow us on Instagram, and they're going to consistently read new content that we put out. So for that sort of site, I would recommend running a lead gen campaign where we would try and get as many people on their email list as possible at, a, at an efficient cost per lead because... If we have people on our email list, theoretically, one, they have demonstrated a reasonably high level of interest by giving their email over to us and essentially saying, I want to receive new and future content from them. But then two, having people on your email list is an asset that you own personally versus right. if you're just running traffic, theoretically, as soon as you turn that Facebook campaign off, the traffic stops, that we don't have new people coming to our website. Um we don't we have no way of continuing this traffic until we start paying facebook more money versus an email list subscriber we paid for that once with facebook but this that is essentially something that we own now we can stop running our facebook ad campaigns but we still have um these 500 or a thousand new email list subscribers that we can be promoting content to without having to rely on paid advertising and it's kind of counterintuitive for me to say that as a Facebook ads consultant that like you shouldn't be relying so much on paid advertising, but that really is at the end of the day, what you want to do. It kind of goes back to like Upwork and not wanting to keep all of your eggs in one basket. The, yeah. One of the biggest things that um, marketers, Facebook marketers and business owners struggle with is like, oh, like this month, all of our, all of our campaigns are going down. Like all of our costs are going up. Things aren't as profitable anymore. Um, that is kind of inevitable, regardless of what business you're in, what um, what products you're selling, or how good a marketer you are, or how good your Facebook campaigns are. There's always going to be months, for whatever reason, um, things are going to not go as well as you hope. And for an ideal business, you kind of have these assets, like an email list, or um, a Facebook page, or an Instagram page, that are kind of assets, organic assets that you own, that you can continue to promote to, um, and build through Facebook ads without having to rely on that hamster wheel of Facebook ads or paid advertising, <laughs> you could call it. Exactly. And, and with the, you know, getting email subscribers is a big thing, especially for, I mean, non-e-commerce -e businesses in, in theory could use that as well. But for other businesses, is especially important. What mm -hmm. are some of the best ways that you can do that? Is it, are you sending them to a landing page where they're getting like a PDF download or like a video? Like how, how are you doing that? Is there so many different ways you could? Yeah. So like you said, the most obvious way is to offer some sort of lead magnet to your potential audience. So you want to offer something that and they'll give you your email address in exchange to um, download or access. This could be something like a PDF. Um, something that's gone really well is what I call email workshops, which is essentially where you say, 
I'll use like a personal finance planner as an example. You could say, are you having trouble with your finances? Um, Put your email in here and you'll join my five-day email course where I kind of explain how you can budget your finances, how you can plan for your future, your retirement, all of those things. And it's essentially um, an email autoresponder where you get a new email or lesson every day. So to them, that provides a lot more ongoing value to them and it keeps them much more engaged with you versus if you just say, oh, here's a um, here's a PDF workbook that, that like explains how you can um, manage your personal finances. Those right. kind of breaking it up like that and kind of giving it to them in more manageable bite-sized chunks for me has gotten better results than just... Um, trying to say like, okay, go download this and this will help you out. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, that's generally and, and, what I've seen. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And actually like, uh, that's what Zach, uh, best friend, I think episode number maybe like six or eight or something. And he did that for his piano, uh, website. And that's how he's grown. His business was just all paid traffic to a, I think a five day course or I believe a piano mm-hmm. course, um, or email course. And that's definitely works to get emails and that, it helps people, and which then grows the, the your brand and grows the trust they have in your brand, which then helps you mm-hmm. grow your business. So I think that's an important way to do it. And were you were you using typically like like lead pages, or like a click funnels, or what for the landing page? I like details, so I have to ask. <laughs> so generally, I keep it, or I've for the clients that I've worked with, we keep it pretty simple. Almost all of the clients that are running on blogs are using WordPress, so I'll literally have them install like the MailChimp plugin and then just do like the, the email subscribe form on that page. Yep. Um, my personal experience with, I really don't like click funnels. I am, I think it's one, it's overpriced and two that the, the, um, the designs and like the functionality you get from it is not justified by the cost. And it, it doesn't work with a lot of businesses. It comes across as kind of like sleazy in my opinion. Um, I've, I really like lead pages. I think they have a lot of good designs um, and they, they integrate really nicely with a lot of email service providers. But for me personally, with the clients that I've worked with, I'm fortunate enough that like th- I work with businesses where it's like they have like a web team or they have like a design team. So I'll say like, oh, if we want to run this like new, um, if we want to run this new blog post as a downloadable content, we're going to need a landing page for that. And then they'll just go and like tell their web team like, oh, we need a landing page for this. And then they'll throw it up. So <laughs> it's like, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it definitely removes me from a decent amount of the process, which is nice. Yeah. And I want to talk about some other things besides Facebook ads, but was there, any, was there anything else that like people were struggling with with Facebook ads or businesses like have issues with or that we haven't really discussed related to Facebook ads you think you should should mention? Um, I think... I think it kind of goes back to like Facebook ads and just um, like the back end funnel as a whole is the easiest way to get started with Facebook ads or to improve your Facebook ads performance is to find a bunch of competitors that are within your industry. And Facebook has made this a lot easier now. If you go on anyone's Facebook page, they now have a tab that says info and ads. You can see all of the ads that your competitors are theoretically running. One, for inspiration, but two, you can also click through on those ads and see like what their backend funnel looks like. You can say, okay, this is the copy that they're using. This is the imagery that they're using on the landing page. This is what their checkout process looks like. You can literally see exactly what sort of ads they're showing to people and then also see the journey that they're trying to take these people on, which 
it used to not be possible. It used to be a lot harder to do that. But that is like, I think that's like the easiest and like the biggest step that any business can take to improving their Facebook ads is just see what their their competitors are doing and see what's working well for them and try and emulate that as best as possible. Yeah. And one thing I just came to my mind, I have to ask too, I don't know if you've dealt with this, maybe not. Have you ever done ads for any like event or any live thing? Or is it just mostly online, like e-commerce or like all online related? Yeah. So there was actually one business that I worked with. It was a, it was like a college related business. And I, I don't remember exactly what the event that they were promoting was. It was basically like, um, they were inviting college students in the area that in the States that they in the area that they were around, um, to come to this event. They had a bunch of companies in the area that would be like offering like resume help. They had like a bunch of fun live events and they'd have food obviously, and all those sorts of things. Um, those sorts of campaigns are essentially lead gen campaigns where you want to get people onto your email list, onto your messenger list, so that you can kind of promote the list or promote the event slowly to them before ultimately asking for like the sale. You want to ask them to buy a ticket to the event, to reserve a seat, to tell their friends about it, all of those things. Um, those sorts of campaigns, I think, work best as lead gen campaigns versus traditional e-commerce campaigns where essentially that line of thinking would be like, okay, let's make an ad and try and sell people the ticket to the event like right away. Um, right. For that, for those sorts of events where it's like, theoretically, it's it's a pretty expensive ticket and it's, it's a much bigger investment for them. Like they're taking time out of their day to like plan around this event to actually go to it. Um, that sort of advertising doesn't work for that. It's much more um, of a longer process for them. Yeah. And what I want to ask you now is just about the actual learning yourself, like how you've learned Facebook ads and what resources you've used or that have been helpful for you as you've kind of, you know, launched this business and taken on clients and everything. Like what are the resources that have been the most helpful for you? Yeah. So definitely the biggest thing for me is for a lot of people is like actually doing the campaigns yourself. Like you can read all of the blog posts in the world. You can watch all the videos, but all of those things, like I said, they're completely different for every person and for every business. Um, and until like you actually get your hands dirty and actually start experimenting with things, um, you don't, that's, in my opinion, that's where like the large majority of learning happens. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I think being in a community and being connected with people that are in that same profession, I guess you could call it, is definitely helpful. So I'm in a few Facebook groups that are consisting of media buyers, of Facebook ad buyers, and of business owners that run Facebook ads themselves. And it's that's, I think, is the best place to go when you need like fresh ideas. You can see like what people are working on, what's working for different people's businesses, and it can give you a good idea of like new things you can experiment with, um, new things to try when you're feeling stuck. And then, of course, you can ask questions. You can actually directly talk with other people and get their help and advice on certain things you might be feeling stuck with. Yeah, I and mean, are there any specifics, like any you know specific groups you can remember, or anything specific at all? Yeah, I'm just I mean, I know it's hard to remember sometimes <laughs> the group names. Yeah, so the biggest, I think, the biggest Facebook group right now is called Facebook Ad Buyers. That one, they're obviously Facebook groups. Um, they're kind of susceptible to a lot of spam. That Facebook Ad Buyers is the best public group, in my opinion, that doesn't have like a lot of spam, self promotion, or just like low quality content in general. Um. As far as paid one goes, there's a guy named Tim Bird who is a he's like a world star Facebook advertiser and agency owner. He owns this group called AdLeaks, um, and that's that costs a hundred dollars a month, and it's essentially a private community of ad buyers and of business owners that run Facebook ads and 
the discussion compared to that versus the, the free group, it's definitely like a step up. You can definitely see the change in quality, the change in professionalism and the change in just advice and discussions that are happening in those sorts of groups. So for anyone that's like looking to kind of get started, um, maybe investing in like their own education, I would definitely recommend looking into um, that group at Leaks. Yeah. Were there any uh, books or podcasts or audiobooks or any of that that's been helpful or is it mostly just those groups and kind of testing ads out? Yeah, I guess I guess as far as Facebook ads go, um, it's a bit difficult for like for like traditional books or podcasts, it is a bit difficult. The big thing for me, actually, um, when I was first starting out, I was actually looking for a lot of like Facebook ads related podcasts. In my opinion, there's not there's there aren't any good ones out there. Like the ones that I've listened to, they're not that actionable. They're not that helpful. And I've found better value from like podcasts similar to this one, where it's essentially speaking with business owners um, and trying to understand their business. I think I think that is a better value. And then, of course, like with books, um, I think they get outdated too quickly. Like a book that was written even on Facebook ads like a year ago, like that advice could be completely different now. Um, As far as like training material goes, I have gotten a decent amount of value from like online courses because they have the advantage over... um, traditional like books where they can be updated with new information. They can be done in video format, which in my opinion is a better learning format um, than video. One course that I can recommend is one by Max Finn, who actually went to the same college as me, Babson College. Um, He has a program called Unicorn Academy, which basically provides marketing training on Facebook ads, Google AdWords, and all other sorts um, of marketing disciplines. The Facebook ad course for there. I think is best suited for people that are kind of like in that intermediate or advanced stage. It's definitely not for beginners because a lot of the concepts that he teaches, um, you kind of need the basics down first. And it's also a (laughs) bit, a bit for higher budgets and, but going through that course and that is an example of another course that actually has like an online community where you can talk with people, um, who, who are in obviously a similar situation to you, but that course has given me like a ton of useful ideas, a ton of like, kind of like unique methods and strategies that I personally never would have thought of. Yeah, that's awesome. There's so many, I mean, there are so many resources. You just have to look, you know, you know, go out there and look and even ones that are not related to exactly what your field is. Like for instance, like in Facebook ads, a lot of it's, you know, the copywriting and the narrative and the story if you're doing video. So, you know, things on branding, things on storytelling would also, you know, potentially be helpful as you're running ads to be able to like, you know, tell that story of that business to be able to sell whatever it is you're trying to sell. Um, So it's helpful also, I think, to even look outside of necessarily like your niche. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and what I'm wondering, like one of the last things I'm curious about is how are you doing this all as a student? (laughs) So like you're doing this all, you said, you know, you mentioned like, you know, hitting almost full-time income recently, which is awesome. And like, how are you doing this as you're a student and how many, and how many hours is this taking typically a week for you? Yeah. So I guess starting with the hours per week, it definitely, the biggest time draw for me personally is interfacing with clients. So actually getting on the phone with clients, having to go through emails, that part is probably like 60 to 75% of my time versus the actual campaign management, which probably takes like at max, like four to five hours a week with my current workload, which if you spread it out over a week, it's like, it's super easy to manage. I can just check on the ads like twice a day for like 20 minutes each and Right. It gets done. But obviously that's like that's a very small part of running a freelance business or running like what you could call an agency. Um, the way I kind of I try and manage that as a student is kind of batching out my time. So I will 
this an example of that is with this upcoming semester, I've designed my schedule to essentially have a three day school week where Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I have like a ton of classes all in a row. And then from yeah. Thursday till Sunday, then that's completely open for me, essentially. And I'll try and schedule like those those high intensive tasks, like client calls, working through emails for those days. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you could I guess you could call them like school work days where I kind of try and switch my mindset to working um, solely on schoolwork. I try and distance myself from business as much as possible. So then when the school, that school week theoretically finishes, then I can kind of just switch back and focus all of my attention from that. Since in my opinion, I've, I think I work most efficiently. I think people work most efficiently in general is when you have like one focus at a time when you're not like, kind of like scrambling between different tasks, you're trying to multitask. Like I, I used to do that when I was, when I actually first came back from the summer and went back into um, my fall semester, that was kind of like, I didn't know how to correctly balance those two things. So I would be like going to class and then I would like try and squeeze in a client call in like the hour between <laughs> classes. And then it's like, I, I would have to go to my next class right of a test. And then my brain would like completely be scrambled from like the client call. And then like also going through like the ads manager. And like, it's, it's really it, that for me, it doesn't work. Like I need to have that kind of like separation between like school and I guess like business and professional so that it's, it's a lot more easier for me to stay focused and be more efficient with my time. Right. And, and where are you like looking to take this business, I guess, moving forward? Yeah. So I think I've mentioned a few times, like the most obvious example is working as an agency, like hiring people to do the tasks, um, try and outsource the work, try and get as many new clients as possible for a while. That was kind of my goal. I thought like that seemed like the most obvious next step, but for me, having, like I said, having the realization that the vast majority of that time is spent on actually managing clients, actually like working with them rather than doing the work that like I was hired to do, essentially working on their Facebook ad campaigns. It made me realize that maybe I didn't want to go into that traditional agency route. So for me, what I'm looking into now is trying to create, um, I guess what you could call a productized business. I want to create um, training materials. I want to create like online courses and resources that marketers and other entrepreneurs can look to when it comes to Facebook advertising. So theoretically, if a business owner was looking to get started with the Facebook, the basics of Facebook ads um, and get like their own ads up and running without having to hire someone, then theoretically they could buy my course and go through and do that. But then also I don't only want to cover the basics. Obviously, I want to have kind of like that intermediate or advanced phase where I share some of the, the more advanced strategies that people may not have thought of, how to manage more higher budgets, and then also how to scale campaigns effectively. Um, kind of essentially take um, business owners and marketers along that journey from the, taking them from someone who doesn't know anything about Facebook ads and then kind of training them to be more advanced marketer. Right. And for anyone like thinking about starting a business or, you know, starting an agency or managing Facebook ads or just literally any business, like any aspiring entrepreneurs, like what mm -hmm. would you say to them? What would you tell them? I think the most important thing is taking action as quickly as possible. I have a few friends who kind of have like that entrepreneurial mindset. Like they know like, oh, I want to work for myself. I want to have a business. But at the end of the day, the most you can call your you can call your business whatever you want. You can say like, oh, I have this business model. You can say you hire these people. At the end of the day, if you don't have clients, if you don't have customers, if you don't have people paying you, 
you don't have a business. So my recommendation for people, if they have like any sort of business idea is try and get it off the ground as quickly as possible and try and get people to start paying for it. Since that's like the ultimate validation for any sort of business idea. If people are willing to pay for it, then you have a business. It doesn't matter whether it's like one, if it's literally just you in a basement doing it, or like if you have like a an office in New York with 10 people, if you have clients, you have a business. And that's kind of like the idea that's parroted in a lot of startup books, like the Lean Startup, um, the 24-Hour Startup, all of those books. And that idea in general is essentially create the minimum viable product or service that you can to present to people to get them to pay you money and then go do it. That's essentially right. it. Right. And where can people go and mo learn more about you and what you're doing online? Yep. So my main my main website right now is growthcave.com. That has all of the content that I'm putting out in the form of blog posts and videos, as well as links to my Twitter and YouTube and email if anyone wants to get in touch. Awesome. Lucas, thank you so much for the time today, man. Thank you too, Justin. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.